Welcome to the Frankly Speaking podcast, the podcast on European and world affairs. My name is Tom van Vinkt. I am program manager at Friends of Europe, and I will be your host for today. For this episode, we will delve into something important at the heart of Friends of Europe's mission, the renewed social contract. If you follow our social media, attend our events, read our articles, I trust you will be familiar with the concept. In case you are not, it is time you follow us more closely as everything is available on our webpage. This episode is a part of a series where we will unpack elements shaping today's social contract. In other words, why we think some things no longer work and what we think, as a society, we need to do to improve them. The way all roads lead to Rome, all discussions on the social contract this year will lead us to the State of Europe, Friends of Europe's flagship high-level roundtable on 9 November, where we will discuss 10 policy choices for Europe ahead of the 2024 elections. I am delighted to welcome Robert Biedron, the chair of the Committee for Women's Rights and Gender Equality at the European Parliament, who will be our guest today. Robert, welcome. How are you? I'm very well, Tom. Thank you for having me today. Robert, we're delighted to have you. I'm going to give a go at introducing you. You are, you are the... You're a member of the European Parliament. You're a member of the SND. I've just mentioned you are the chair of the Committee on Women's Rights and Gender Equality, a member of the Committee on Budget. Um, but you're also a member of the LGBTI Intergroup, which consists in monitoring the situation of LGBTQI plus people in EU member states and beyond, as well as liaising with civil society groups to relay their concerns at the European level. That isn't all. Robert, you're an LGBTI activist with an impressive track record of political activity, both nationally at home in Poland and at the European level. You were a member of the Polish SIM, I hope I pronounced it correctly, the Polish Parliament. Very well. Bravo. And you were the mayor of Swupsk, a city in the north of Poland. Robert, thank you so much for agreeing to speak with us on the podcast. Today, the day we are recording is Europe Day, so what better day than to talk about equality and women's rights? I would like to start our conversation by asking you what your vision for gender equality in Europe and in your home country, Poland, is. Well, indeed, happy Europe Day. And this is my vision. I want Europe to be happy and united and celebrate together the values we share. So this is, this should not be only the special day um, to celebrate, but also the special day to remind us that we are united because of our terrible experience and uh, our group, Socialists and Democrats, are just coming back from Krakow and Auschwitz-Birkenau, where we visited uh, the museum and the memorial of the biggest concentration camp in the world. One and a half million people were killed only because uh, um, some other people did not tolerate uh, Jews, uh, Roma people, homosexuals, uh, other political views. So what I believe is, is Europe of our shared responsibility. Um, and uh, I believe that uh, uh, in human rights, rule of law and democracy, and that gender equality, women's rights and LGBTI rights are part of the human rights which we should protect. Thank you so much, Robert. And you've just said it, Europe of shared responsibility. I think, you know, my next question is, is exactly about this. I've talked about the fact that Friends of Europe is developing this, this initiative on the renewed social contract and really understanding a social contract as a tacit agreement amongst members of a society, the shared responsibility amongst members of society, the state, the private sector, the European institutions, civil society, and, and the importance of giving back to society and citizens. 
understanding this, what do you expect from the public and from the private sector with regards to gender and LGBTQI plus equality? Well, what should the public and the private sector continue to do? What should they stop doing? What should be done better? Do you have any idea on this? Oh, for sure we should speed up. The European Institute for Gender Equality estimates that we need 60 years to uh, achieve in European Union full gender equality. And I'm just coming back from New York from the Conference on the Status of Women and uh, just learned that we need 300 years uh, uh, to achieve full gender equality around the world. So I don't want to wait. We should speed up and to understand that uh, the studies show clearly that uh, the societies are gender equal, are happier, are healthier, are more prosperous, are safe, which is important for all of us and are just. And unfortunately, uh, around the world, we have only 12 countries which reached the full gender equality from the legal perspective, maybe not yet from the social perspective. And it's not by by coincidence that uh, uh, among those countries, we have the most prosperous, more uh, safe and happy countries like um, Denmark, Sweden, Iceland, Canada. So there is no coincidence. So everyone who is not somehow committed to human rights, uh, I would share this tip. You will profit from gender equality, from protecting human rights, because you will be living also in better world. So, and uh, from this perspective, of course, we see a lot of challenges and uh, we are witnessing uh, uh, an increasing influence of fundamentalists and right-wing organizations which are trying uh, uh, to, to create an atmosphere of the witch hand on the, uh, specific groups. I come from Poland myself, so I can tell you a lot about Polish women, for example, which have less rights than Poland had in 2004 when we were 19 years ago joining European Union, where you have uh, uh, LGBTI free zones, 68 uh, of such zones uh, still are uh, in Poland, and so on and so on. So there are a lot of uh, difficulties, not only in European Union, but also out, uh, in outside world where we should uh, act, but uh, we act and uh, we as European Union um, and the member states, we should protect our citizens, uh, formulate also a proposal of the cataloging human rights. This is not the case. Polish women have less rights than French women. Polish LGBTI people have less rights than LGBT people in Spain or uh, in other countries. And this should not be a case. After the era of standardization, we standardized the the roaming system, we standardized the license plates in Europe, we standardized the charger, we will have one common charger, we still did not standardize human rights. And it's a shame. And I believe in Europe, which also brings the standard in this field. And we as committee, I have an honor, as you mentioned, Tom, to chair the Women's Rights and Gender Equality Committee. We are trying to make progress on that, for example, on gender pay gap, that which still exists, 13% on average, less per hour 
in women than men on uh, gender violence uh, there is uh, this still phenomenon that uh, women are experiencing uh, violence from their partner 25% uh, and this should be tackled by European Union and member states to give only some few examples Thank you so much, Robert. And so many bits of information I want to pull more from you on. Equality benefits society. That's that's such a strong statement. And it's so valuable that you on, on top of saying that you're able to show us, you know, these are the facts. And this is the case in point. You know, the 12 most happy, productive, safe countries are the countries with the most equality. That is something that's going to benefit all of us, but also businesses. Um, you, you've talked about, you know, standard, standardizing human rights. There's been so many steps taken in the right direction recently. And I think it's super important to, to, to keep very close mind in the fact that the European Parliament's been so um, fervently defending and protecting and fighting for equality, gender equality, women's rights. You know, you've mentioned equal treatment in employment, uh, rights to maternity, paternity, uh, leave, uh, gender pay gap. These are all important steps that need to be taken and will be taken in the right direction. We're approaching the next European mandate. What would, you, what would be your key ask for the next European mandate? What are your hopes? And you've just mentioned standardizing human rights. I've also heard you mention a union of equal rights. Are we there yet? What would you like to ask? Of course, we're not <laughs> there yet, and we need to make a lot of progress. So don't try to provoke me on that <laughs> I, 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 we, we, there is still a long way to go and as i said uh, it's estimates that, that it, uh, i guess estimates we need more 60 years so uh, i think what we need more is the female leadership and also male leadership understanding women and this we uh, i think we are lacking that and of course we made a lot of progress the european parliament uh, Uh, has made a lot of progress uh, in in these terms, but still we uh, we have long way to go on this leadership. So the creating the role models, uh, promoting the female role uh, role models, understanding that there is a glass ceiling for women to reach certain positions, and that we need kind of elevators to elevate this uh, equality, like, for example, uh, quotas uh, or the Zebra uh, uh, system. And this is what we, in European Parliament, we are working on, for example, in the context of pay transparency uh, uh, or uh, uh, the improvement on representation of women on boards uh, to ensure representation in decision-making Um, uh, for example, in the companies, and that's why we adopted this famous uh, uh, directive proposal on women on boards where at least 40% of non-executive directors on the company boards will have to be uh, women or men, of course, because it also should protect um, men if there is a case. So um, we need leadership and we need to show. But of, of course, we need also the standardized instruments to um, 
bring equality into reality. And that's why our group recently in Krakow a week ago proposed the European Union Charter of Women's Rights, the catalog of rights uh, uh, which will protect, defend and uh, ensure equality within um, uh, our union. And it uh, uh, this catalog would be composed of the economic uh, independence, uh, eliminating gender pay gap, uh, tackling workplace discrimination, equal representation in decision-making, gender equality in digital and green transitions. To mention just few, to give you the idea, staying behind this charter, which catalogs all the rights. And it should be also a case with LGBTI rights. There is no reason not only to create this special LGBTI free zones. And for me, coming from Poland and hearing um, and having these free zones in my country, I suddenly think about the history in the past and that we had two free zones in Poland. And what it means that from hate speech, uh, there is very short uh, way to hate crimes. So we should not be uh, um, uh, indifferent. We should uh, take actions. And these are just few examples of how we as European Union and member states and the society, we can, we, we can take action. Thank you so much. And male and female leadership is something that I want to get back to a little bit later in this podcast, because I want to get your thoughts specifically on, on how men can be better allies. Bearing in, in mind the, the, the recent uh, gender equality index that, that's been published and by the European Institute for Gender Equality, um, and which, which warns the, that progress on gender equality has stagnated or regressed in most EU countries since the beginning of the COVID pandemic. So you've alluded to the regression and the stagnation of uh, women's rights, of LGBTQI plus uh, rights, of the fact that there would be LGBT-free zones in Poland. How do the cost of living crisis, the COVID-19 pandemic, the war in Ukraine, and generally growing populism across Europe impact gender equality in the EU. You've talked about the very stark and dark um, importance of remembering what's happened during the Second World War. How can we see all of these impact and the hardship that European citizens face on a daily basis impact women's rights? And, and what can the committee that you chair, the Committee on Women's Rights and Gender Equality, do to prevent the further regression of, of gender rights and equality? Thank you for the question. I think it's very important in the times of crisis. And we are in the time of crisis. The inflation is growing. The the prices of uh, the the food prices, the energy prices are growing and people are not able to pay their bills. And we have the war crisis in Ukraine. So this is a very serious uh, uh, and current question. And whenever there is a crisis, women are on the front row. And they pay the highest price. And this is the, the sad reality. Why? Because of the existing inequalities. Because uh, women uh, um, uh, earn less. Women have uh, lower pensions. Low, uh, women uh, usually work on these low-paid uh, positions. And this is the, 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 the sad reality. And uh, we need to tackle this uh, when we uh, come back to the lockdowns, 
the, the, the lockdowns and the COVID pandemic tackled most seriously women, especially older women, the women uh, who work uh, also as a cashiers in the shops. When the shops were closed, women uh, were losing uh, uh, their jobs because it's usually women who work in the uh, in the shop. When there were the, 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 in the low low paid sectors of care and education, when we were dealing with uh, uh, with uh, lockdown, women pay the highest price because they are the teachers, they are the caregivers, uh, and uh, this is the the, 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 the very sad uh, reality. Women were the victims of the gender-based violence during lockdowns, and we have many proofs on that because they were locked uh, at homes uh, with their uh, abusers. So this is the, 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 the reality. What we should do is to protect, and that's why we as committee, we are working on the uh, European Commission proposal on the directive combating gender-based violence and domestic violence, very much needed. I'm very happy to announce also that European Union uh, will ratify Istanbul Convention, the Council of Europe Convention, which um, brings the pan-European standard for, for the first time in history to protect women against the gender-based violence. We are also dealing with uh, uh, the issue of the war in Ukraine, where we have these millions of girls and women seeking refuge in European Union member states uh, and help. So uh, we are dealing with temporary protection directive, which gives uh, uh, the protection for the female reg uh, refugees. We will be also revising the uh, anti-trafficking directive in the context of the current situation in Ukraine and the multiple crises. But, uh, um, and last but not least, uh, we will also, and we are working on that, we will try to ensure that every woman, wherever she lives, she will have uh, her sexual and reproductive health and rights protected. This is not the case. Um, again, I come from Poland and I can tell you that uh, this de facto ban on abortion in Poland has uh, resulted already six deaths of women uh, because of the refusal of providing them um, adequate health services at hospitals. So six of them died. But also we have cases of girls raped by Russian soldiers coming to Poland and finding out that they cannot terminate their abortion from their rape because it's illegal in Poland and uh, uh, and they cannot seek the protection they should mm -hmm. have and that must be a, a a very dramatic situation when you have a a baby a, a child sorry a child a female child raped who wants to terminate abortion because she was raped by a soldier mm -hmm. by a Russian soldier and she cannot do that so this is the Europe which we should not accept and this is what we as the committee in European Parliament and Union as such, we are dealing with to protect every single person, not only you citizens, but every single person which is um, um, which is now uh, in the territory of any member states of European Union. Thank you, Robert, for this. You know, it's just everything you, you highlight is, you know, it just reminded me, you know, how difficult it is to be 
a woman in a world designed for men and how important it is to have mechanisms in place, uh, such as you know the, the long-awaited directive on gender-based violence. The fact that the EU will ratify the Istanbul Convention is 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 very good sign of these matters being taken super, you know, seriously. And you know, m- mentioning sexual and reproductive rights protection is so important when there is no war. When there is war, it just you know it skyrockets how important these measures you know are to be put in place, not just per country, but then across the entire the the, the entire European Union. Because you know, imagine a, a a Ukrainian you know girl who is in need of some services who arrives in a country and then is met with sorry, we don't do this here. That doesn't match. The, the values and the importance of, of protecting the individual that the European stands for. Um, thank you so much for these insights and for this important reminder. Um, I'm conscious of the time flying by and I really want to get your thoughts on, on my following questions, which is about the, the 15 European countries that have backed legal action um, by the European Commission against Hungary at the European Court of Justice um, with regards to a 2021 law disguised as child protection dic- discriminating in effect against LGBTQI plus minorities. What is next, in your opinion? Like, what's going to happen in, in Brussels? What can we ha- expect to happen in the ECJ, in Luxembourg, in the European Court of Justice, and, and in Hungary? Well, thank you for asking for that, because uh, this special legislation uh, introducing Hungary is really bar- barbarian. And I have a feeling it's written in Cyril in Kremlin and should not be ever adopted in any country um and it's a shame that uh, the Orbán's government has decided to adopt this uh, legislation because it tackles the most vulnerable people in our society children and uh, teenagers kids and uh, it just simply prohibits showing the diversity and the reality of who we are and where we are and whom we love. And for me as a gay man, I really cannot imagine that uh, this kind of legislation has been adopted. Um, And we as European Union, we need to strongly show where we stand. And I'm very happy that Ursula von der Leyen, the uh, European Commission president, has strongly criticized this new bill and uh, I hope European Court of Justice and the whole EU and not only these 15 countries which backed uh, the European Commission uh, legal action, uh, but all of the member states will uh, strongly stay on the side of uh, equality and prohibition of uh, discrimination. Um, uh, and uh, of course, it's also needed because the homophobia, transphobia, uh, uh, xenophobia in general is our common reality in Poland. Uh, um, Around 50% of LGBTQI plus teenagers show signs of depression and as many as 70% had suicidal thoughts. This is the reality and it's uh, a case not only of Poland, but every single member state is not free of homophobia and transphobia. And we should Mm -hmm. act and uh, uh, closing our eyes on that is not fair because 
how will we prohibit children to talk about Oscar Wilde, Freddie Mercury, <laughs> or Elton John? I cannot imagine that. This is the reality. They know that they existed or they exist, and they're very inspirational for them. And uh, and we, we just simply uh, should show the reality as it is. But also that Hungarian, and this should be um, also the point we should talk more about, the Hungarian law does not only go against the human rights uh, and our standards and values, but it also violates the single market rules on audiovisual media because this legislation bans also um, discussion in the media about LGBTI plus people. So this is the legal basis for all of those who say you, it's a competence, sole competence of member state, or they should excuse not to act. Come on, guys. This is violation of our EU values we all agreed on. So you, you, what I expect is that you act and not behave like cowards. Thank you so much, Robert. And to have, you know... a a law that not only is inherently wrong on a human rights level, but, you know, we can additionally back up because it violates the single market rule, you know, is, is, is you know, an additional way to, to, to speed up that process. I, we're coming close to the end of our podcast, Robert, and this has been incredibly insightful. Before we part, I would like to ask you how, you know, you, 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 are, you are a man, you are the chair of the Committee on Women's Rights and Gender Equality, you are an ally, my definition and many people's definition of an ally for women's rights and minority rights. What's your what's your piece of advice for boys and men to be better allies for women in society in Europe today? Oh, I strongly believe that there will be no true equality without uh, men and boys playing their role in the fight. So I hear you, Tom. Uh, you are already on that position. So thank you very much. But we need every single boy and every single man. And uh, it's not coincidence that uh, I am chairing this committee because we strongly believe in European Parliament that it's our common fight. And of course, I feel honored and uh, I'm very proud to chair the Women's Rights and Gender Equality Committee. But just to warn you and paraphrasing Madeleine's Albright famous words, there is a special place for men who do not help other uh, and women in their fight for equal rights. And uh, I don't want to go to hell, and I'm sure you will not go down to hell. And I wish all the men that they will not to go to hell, but there must be a one thing you do. You be in solidarity with girls and women fighting for their rights. Then you go to heaven. <laughs> Thank you so much, Robert, for this conversation. And thank you so much for these wise closing words. I am delighted that you have accepted to share your thoughts on our Frankly Speaking podcast. Robert Biedron, the chair of the Committee on Women's Rights and Gender Equality at the European Parliament. And as I've mentioned, many other things. Thank you so much for being with us today. And we're delighted to having had you. All the best. And thank you for taking me to the Friends of Europe. I'm a great friend of Europe. We'll leave it there for today. If you haven't already, consider subscribing to the Frankly Speaking podcast newsletter or following us on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook. And if you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a review or a rating as it truly helps us reach more curious minds like yours. And don't forget to tune in again this time next week. <laughs>